Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Belden. It's at RealBBelden on Twitter. You can follow me there. Follow the Under the Dome podcast at UnderTheDome underscore ND. Lots of big stuff to talk about this week, including, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about New Mexico, put a bow on New Mexico a little bit, but I think mostly we're going to talk about New Mexico in terms of how things are going to fit into Georgia, I suppose. And so Nathan and I are going to dive into that here in just a quick second. I've got Nathan on the on the line, kind of on standby. But before we kind of get talking about New Mexico and then more specifically Georgia type stuff, wanted to get a couple of the propers out of the way. First of all, thank you to Electrosound who donated some audio equipment for this podcast. Really has us sounding great. Really, you know, helped us with getting this podcast off the ground and making it sound better than it did before they came on. So if you have any audio needs, make sure you check out Electrosound. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I sound.com and they'll be happy to talk to you about your needs and, and get you going in the right direction. So check them out for sure. And before, like I say, we get started here, I wanted to plug something real quick that I'm excited about. If you are a listener of this podcast, maybe you also are a listener of the Always Irish podcast with John who started as kind of like a YouTube channel and then has continued to uh, to grow his podcast as well. I'm a I'm a regular listener of John and um, he and I go back in the uh, in the Twitterverse, I suppose, talking about Notre Dame football. He's another guy that shares a lot of the same type of opinions as I do, but um, I don't know. I think. John and I approach things differently, and so if you're a listener of the Always Irish podcast, you know maybe um, that he plugged this today. So maybe this is, you know, something that is not completely new to you. But you know, we're gonna do at least this week, and hopefully moving into the future, a, a crossover podcast every week. And so I think, and as John put it today, and I thought he put it pretty well, I hope we disagree on some things, and then we can have a pretty good dialogue about. Uh, Notre Dame football and, you know, just the way we approach things as far as how we analyze, uh, you know, where the Notre Dame football program is at and where it's going and that type of thing. So if you're not a subscriber to the Always Irish podcast, make sure you do that. Um, if you just go to YouTube and or any of the podcast places and type in Always Irish, it'll come up. And, you know, weekly we'll have, like I say, a show together that should be a lot of fun. And you'll be able to hear that show on his channel and on mine as well. Um, so it'll be a, like I say, hopefully a weekly thing as long as it keeps working out. It's something that we've kind of, uh, I don't know, had on the back burner for a while. So check that out. That podcast will drop probably Thursday morning. Um, if we get to recording Wednesday night, as is the plan. So anyway, um, I want to talk Notre Dame football. And so therefore I have Nathan Erbach on the other line. Nathan, how are you? 
Doing good, Ben. Doing good, Ben. I think I was just telling you uh, before we hopped on here that I've yet to be able to watch a game live, and that's not going to change this week. So I'm pretty disappointed about that. But uh, at the same time, very excited uh, to to get to Georgia. Um, not not get to Georgia myself. I'm not going to the game, of course. But uh, um, you know, just to play them, and uh, I'll probably be watching on a little bit of delay. So I'll have my phone off, so you guys all don't text me and put it in the group chat and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, just excited to play, um, you know, a, a really solid opponent that is a real big test for, uh, for Notre Dame. Yeah. I had potential plans, um, to go to Georgia and then they didn't really materialize. And so, you know, part of me is kind of actually, I don't know, like going to Georgia and, being at a Notre Dame away game, which is something I like to do once a year or so if I can swing it, um, is not being able to do that, I guess, is disappointing. But at the same time, I'm going to be so neurotic for this one that I think is maybe just as better that I get to watch it from the comfort of my own home. Um, maybe you feel a little bit the same way about being able to watch it on tape delay, having maybe a little bit of an idea of what has happened. I, I don't know. Well, we'll <laughs> I, I don't know how you feel about that, but um, I don't know. Um, it's going to be. I, I think this is a huge game for Notre Dame. We're going to get in. We're going to dive into it right now, basically. So, um, should be. Hopefully, it's fun <laughs> in in some way, shape, or form. Even if the result doesn't go our way. But all right. So let's talk about Georgia a little bit. Um, first of all, before we talk about anything that happened last week in the New Mexico game, um, how do you quantify or rank how important this Georgia is? Because I have my thoughts on this, but I'm anxious to kind of hear how you feel how important you feel this particular game is in terms of importance, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with, with this take per se, but, um, but I do think other people will. And that, and that's why I'm going to say what I'm about to say, um, including maybe like the college football playoff and, uh, you know, committee committee and, um, you know, like media outlets and stuff like that. Um, there, there's been a lot of chatter whether or not Notre Dame deserves to be in the college football playoff again, whether or not they go 12 and 0 or 11 and 1. And I think that that's a really bad take because every team is so different. I mean, you lose about 25% of your roster every year. Um, and I don't think you should punish past performance. So, but at the same time, I do think that last year's playoff performance, um, losing to Clemson might play a tad bit of a role, especially because they lost to Alabama, you know, a few years prior to that, you know, by a big amount and, you know, lost to Ohio state and some other teams, you know, when it, when it comes to the big bowl games, but, um, and, and I, so I think it is important. Um, I, I don't know if they necessarily have to win the game, you know, to gain some respect, but going on the road against an SEC team that is considered, playoff caliber I guess you can say um it's got to be a good showing and like I said I mean maybe they maybe it's a game like they played Georgia a couple years ago where they lose by one but that would mean something that it's on the road in a hostile environment you know they're without some of their better players and Jafar Armstrong um and Michael Young and obviously Cole Komet will be back for the first time this season um, so yeah, no, I, I think it really is important. So I agree about, with what you're saying. I think that, um, I was sort of thinking about this question in terms of, you know, 
the program and not necessarily college football playoff this year because that doesn't necessarily concern me as much as where is Notre Dame at as a program because the way I, I kind of look at Notre Dame uh, to a certain degree is you know it sort of just feels like throughout Brian Kelly's tenure we've obviously had the obvious you know peaks and valleys of the program and it just sort of seems like you know it seems like we've built to a point a bunch of times where it's just like you know we're right there we're on the edge of contention for a national championship I think we've you know the program has raised its floor at the very least under Brian Kelly. And at this point, you know, we're just waiting for that time where it kind of breaks through the ceiling and you get that big signature win, whether that's, you know, a semifinal game in the college football playoff or whether that's a big road win against a Georgia type team. We're just waiting for that particular instance of, you know, this is going to show us that the program has arrived. Now, if Notre, Notre Dame could go beat Georgia and they could go, you know, fall on their face the rest of the season, and that would be great. But I just think that this one is like a measuring stick that that's going to tell us more about Notre Dame's program than uh, than you know, because you know I've been the person that has talked about the fact that Notre Dame is better off than they were when when Brian Kelly got got here and continue has continually improved and especially the last 3 years like the the improvement has just been unbelievable but when is the improvement going to lead to a a big signature win especially in the regular season on the road now i mean optimally maybe you don't want it against georgia who's one of the the tougher football teams i think i've seen in a while but i don't know i, I don't know if any of that made sense but I just feel like in terms of importance, it's very important for the overall health of the program because eventually we got to get one of these, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think the big game thing is a little overblown from a regular season standpoint. I actually agree with you on that, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've, they've beaten really, really good opponents at home and on the road under Brian Kelly during the regular season. I mean, obviously like Oklahoma comes to mind, um, you know, back in 20, 2012 or whatever it was. Um, you know, I, I know probably people disagree, but, but Michigan comes to mind, you know, a, a couple different times, um, you know, so on and so forth without getting into too much detail. It's really been the, the bowl game and, national championship game and college football playoff game last year that have been, you know, that have been issues. Um, so I think from a, like if they went and lost to Georgia this year and then went like, let's just say they go 10 and two and then they go to a, you know, the Fiesta bowl or whatever, you know, whatever bowl's not in the college football playoff. I don't remember exactly which one is, but then they go out and beat like a, you know, in Ohio State or in Oklahoma in that game, then I think fans, for whatever reason, will will take that better than if they beat Georgia, go 12-0 and or 11-1, and make the college football playoff, and then lose on the big stage again. And to a certain extent, I don't know if I agree with that line of thinking. Um, but but I will say eventually they do need to win that, that big game at the end of the season, whether it means they win the national championship or whether it means they simply get to the national championship by winning a playoff game, you know, and then losing or whatever. Um, you know, it, it does need to be done eventually for them to get the respect, I think. Yeah, and I agree with that. I I, I think the only thing that I – and this is just the, the tiniest minor disagreement. Like I, to me – 
it would be equal. Like if you beat Georgia, you go, you know, maybe you don't even make it to the college football playoff or something like that. Like I, I, I just think that like, you know, like I say, Notre Dame has reached, it, it feels like this point a million times. Like it just feels like it's been right on the cusp and that, I mean, I'm sort of with you. I think I would rather lose to Georgia and win at the end of the year, kind of like you mentioned. I, I think you were spot on with that. But I, at the same point, I sort of don't care. I mean, you know, and so I, I don't know. I will say this, that I think that if, you know, we go and we lose to Georgia, you know, I think that, you know, if Georgia knocks us down a few pegs, like I don't think that the free fall from losing to Georgia will be the same as, you know, like the free fall of losing at Stanford in 2015 and then getting – you know, shellacked in the in the Fiesta Bowl the way that they did because I just think Notre Dame is in a place where, like I I mean, and I've thought about this a lot. Like I just think that their floor has been raised quite a bit under Brian Kelly. Like I don't think we're going back to really like eight and four or seven and five. Um, you know, I'm gonna knock on wood as I say that, but I just don't think I just don't see that happening. I think you know Notre Dame at the very least now is a perennial. Nine ten win type of team, um, and that's a good thing. But like, it just at some point, like I just need to feel good about, you know, I, I think about you know like the Florida State game of twenty, what was that twenty fourteen? I think it was. Um, yeah, you know the the game at Clemson with uh, that would have been twenty fifteen. So you know, I, I just feel like at some point we got to get a big one like this. Maybe it'll be Michigan later in the in the year. Although I don't think Michigan's that great. Um, yeah, it's not going to be Stanford because Stanford's looked awful. So like, I just I just feel like at some point there needs to be that win. I suppose. Yeah, no, I mean, hundred percent agree. Um, I mean, like you said, they've been really close. They've been really close with the Florida State and Clemson games, uh, to name a few. Um, and then obviously the Georgia game at home a few years ago. All those games were very winnable when you go back and watch it. Um, but but they didn't win them. So I mean, this would be this would be the best win the programs had under Brian Kelly uh, to a certain extent. I mean, maybe Oklahoma in twenty twelve, but. Um, I think most people would agree this would probably be their their most signature win on uh, in the Kelly era if if it, if it does happen. In terms of you know what you've seen out of this Notre Dame football team, whether it be against Louisville, whether it be against you know last week's game against New Mexico, you know I, I think a big question on Twitter that I think you know to a certain degree is valid and to a certain degree is just kind of whatever. Um, does Notre Dame have a chance and what concerns you um, in terms of what's going to go on the field on, uh, on Saturday night? Um, I, I have faith in guys like Tony Jones to, you know, to be able to run, you know, tough, um, you know, and pick up some yardage and maybe some of the other guys have some speed. Like, you know, like we saw Kyron Williams uh, do pretty well in open space against New Mexico a few times. Um, obviously Avery Davis is, is really fast and they can get the ball in his hands in open space. Um, hopefully Jameer Smith is back that can help with the short yardage stuff, especially like maybe on the goal line or, you know, if, if they need to go for like a crucial fourth and one, you know, at the 50 or something like that. Um, but no, I mean, that concerns me. The, the, the lack of a play of, of a, an elite playmaker at the running back position right now does scare me um, that they're going to have to be super uh, 
pass heavy, and I, and I don't think that that's what Chip Long wants. I don't think it suits Notre Dame offense against a team like Georgia to be crazy pass heavy. Um, and if, uh, if if they can't break a big run or two, or if they if they can't establish the running game and get five six yards, you know, on first and second down, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a tough day. Um, and, and that's what really scares me. I think more than anything. Yeah, and I think I I mean, I pretty much echo exactly what you said. Uh, it's hard to really say a whole lot different there. Um I will say that I think one thing that I've been encouraged with that uh, you know, you sort of were starting to mention a little bit is that like one of my biggest criticisms about Notre Dame's offense was that, you know, I, I just don't feel like there's been a ton of I guess what misdirection or I guess, the, uh, I, I don't know, you know, it, it really kind of warms my heart a little bit to, to see like the fake buck sweep and the reverse to, to Avery Davis. And that was the type of misdirection that I felt like Notre Dame's offense had been lacking. And, you know, I, maybe it's there now, although I don't necessarily know. Brian Kelly had kind of mentioned that, you know, they didn't want to show a lot against Georgia. So maybe that's, maybe that type of stuff is coming more even with uh, you know the types of things that they've uh, th- that they've got cooked up, um, I, and I always don't know. Like, does Brian did Brian Kelly say that they didn't want to show a lot because he's just playing some sort of you know a, a mental game? I, I don't really know what the answer is. I hope there's more to it because it just sort of seemed like you know against Louisville it was like straight ahead buck sweep type of stuff, and then you know Ian Book didn't look good. But I will say, I mean, and I'm going to talk about Ian Book specifically here in a second. But you know, I I just think that. There's got to be, and I hope there is, not necessarily trick plays, but plays that are, you know, that it feels like people run against Notre Dame all the time that are going to get yeah. some some chunk-type yards. And like like I say, that jet sweep type of stuff um, that really was, I mean, I guess it's not a true jet sweep because it's technically a pass, but I think, you know, you know what I'm talking about and Notre Dame fans know what I'm talking about. It was encouraging to me in those respects. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the key, the key to football and, you know, college football specifically is getting the ball to your playmakers. I mean, they have, I mean, Chase Claypool seems to be a guy this year that can win battles pretty much against anybody. I mean, he looks, he, he looks like a new, a new player to me. So if they can get the ball to Chase Claypool on, you know, one on one situations, that's going to help a lot. I mean, obviously, if they if Javon Kinley, Javon McKinley gives them you know an option on the outside, and you can move Chris Fink back to the slot, that helps a lot because Chris Fink's very good in the slot. Um, you know, and then I, I I think one thing that New Mexico gave us that you know obviously Georgia's going to have to pre- prepare for is that they showed that they can get the ball to some guys with speed and they can do something with it. I mean, Braden Lindsay, I don't know how many snaps he's going to see, but if he comes on the field, Georgia knows that he might run a fly route and they might not be able to catch him because that's how fast he is. If, if Avery Davis is not running back, they know that if he gets around the edge, you might not be able to catch him. I mean, uh, what, what was it? 23 miles per hour that he was clocked at. Yep. I mean, I don't care if, if you're, New Mexico or your Alabama. I mean, 23 miles an hour, you ain't, you're not many people are catching that if he's able to get into open space. Um, so, I mean, they, they've shown that, you know, obviously Lawrence Keyes and, you know, and then with Cole Komet coming back, that adds a dimension, you know, with some height advantage, you know, maybe, maybe they have a, 
you know, who knows? Maybe they run something where they have McKinley, Claypool, Cole Komet, and Tommy Tremble all on the field at the same time. You know, and they just say, hey, go run four seam routes or, uh, you know, go run, you know, four verticals or whatever. And, you know, they, they just have a height advantage pretty much against anybody in that situation. So, I mean, I think there's some stuff that they've shown the first two weeks that, you know, even without guys like Jafar Armstrong and Michael Young, you know, in the lineup, that they're going to be able to, you know, maybe exploit. And maybe they haven't shown anything yet, like you were saying. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's stuff they haven't shown just because they shouldn't they shouldn't have to show that stuff against Louisville and New Mexico to beat them. Yeah, and to your point, I think that, you know, Georgia might be sitting there kind of the same way because New Mexico obviously watched, you know, the tape of Notre Dame and Louisville, right? And Notre Dame, you know, when they ran the ball against Louisville, they were running that sweep play with Tony Jones where it's a, like an outside zone buck sweep type of a thing and then he plants and then he gets up field and he starts going north and south and that's how Tony Jones racked up a hundred some odd yards against Louisville. Well, you know, if you watch New Mexico, New Mexico had that play pretty well blown up because that was like the one play that Notre Dame ran really well against Louisville and, you know, they were shooting linebackers through that gap and, you know, shooting linebackers through where, you know, the guards were pulling and that type of thing. And then, like I say, they, they faked that. They ran that jet sweep. So, and, you know, Avery Davis and Chris Finke scored a touchdown, right? So, um, you know, I think – now, at the very least, what Notre Dame has going for them is that Georgia's sitting there thinking, like, all right, well, if there's you know a jet sweep motion into the backfield, you know, you can't necessarily just go chasing him because what if they run the buck sweep the other way? You know what I'm saying? So it seems I think yeah. you know the first two uh, the first two games have been good complementary type things for you know Notre Dame as far as putting stuff on tape to keep you know to keep Georgia honest because the last thing that you want is Georgia knowing what you're doing all the time and just flying you know the way it looks like whenever Notre Dame went down to Miami you know it, where it looked like Miami basically knew our plays and I mean newsflash people Miami kind of did know our plays so that's why that's why things didn't work but you know I don't need to bring up bad memories from a couple years ago but I mean I don't know I think Notre Dame has that going for them and like I say I think there's just going to be some stuff that Georgia doesn't prepare for because they just haven't shown it yet Uh, it does make me a little nervous though that you know I don't know if if Notre Dame hasn't shown it like how how well is it going to look in uh, how good is it going to look in in a game how well is it going to be effective I suppose but I don't know I mean there's no use in trying to talk about that because we don't know but um, yeah it's uh it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting dynamic. Did you have any more that you wanted to to add to that part that aspect? I was just I was just gonna say I would argue that the threat of the big play or the threat of the run almost means more than actually being successful at doing those things. And I think that's where New Mexico helped Notre Dame possibly against Georgia as they they showed the abilities that you know like I said if they can get outside. Or um, you know, or, or whatever that you know, Georgia has to prepare for that. So maybe they run a jet sweep with uh, with Avery Davis. Book fakes it to him, like almost like a play action, and then all of a sudden the seam route's wide open because Georgia watched tape and they're like, "Okay, Notre Dame's going to try this early against us to see if it works." But all of a sudden, Tommy Tremble or Cole Komet's wide open down the seam. Right. Um, it, it's just different things like that. And, you know, and, and like I said, they don't necessarily have to be running for six yards a carry or run for 200 yards, but if they can break one or if they can consistently, 
move the chains on, you know, third, third and short, then that's really going to help the passing attack overall. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, let me ask you this question. Um, and actually, I'm going to make this real general here at the beginning. Uh, assess the play of Ian Book through two games. I thought he – I thought he – that's interesting. Against Louisville, he almost looked like someone who was still thinking about the Clemson game. That's exactly what I was going to say, but I'll let you finish. Keep going. Yeah, no, it, it was weird. I think we all just expected Ian Book to be that first guy under Brian Kelly to just blow us, blow, blow everybody out of the water in his second year in the system. Um, and after the Louisville game, we're all like, oh my gosh, are we, are we back to this where guys regress under, under Kelly? Now, I don't know if I was one of those people that believed that, to be completely honest with you. I mean, one bad game's not going to make me think the world is, you know, is ending. Um, but he didn't play well. But at the same time, he did come back against New Mexico. And even though maybe the first couple series didn't go the way we thought, like, I, um, you know, he looked more comfortable as the game went on. Um, and as long as the offensive line plays better, because I, I, that's another thing that worries me a little bit. I don't know if the offensive line has been that good. Um, as long as they can protect him and Book can keep his eyes down the field instead of worrying about, you know, the happy feet in the pocket, I guess, is what they always say. Um, yeah, but I, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, I, I don't see any reason to believe he's not going to be a good quarterback for him this season. Yeah, I was actually going to, you know, after you answered that question, follow up and ask if I was crazy for thinking that Ian Book still was, like, shook from the Clemson game. Um because I, I honestly think that's exactly what it was. It, it just sort of seems like I tweeted during the Louisville game, and this was new for me because you know it was the first time anybody had really like tried to accuse me of being a hater. Because usually I get accused of being like you know two rose-colored glasses the other way. But like I tweeted during the the Louisville game, like is Ian Book seeing ghosts? Like what's he like? Is he seeing pass rushers that aren't there? Because it just sort of seemed like the the willingness to move. Uh, I guess the unwillingness to stay in the pocket and then. I guess when you are unwilling to stay in the pocket, you move just seemed like it was, it was just, it was confusing, concerning. I I don't know. You said, you know, keeping his eyes downfield. I think that's a good way to put it. And, you know, it looked like, you know, I, whenever I sat and I recorded the Louisville podcast, I said, you know, it sort of looked like he was starting to settle in that throw to Tommy Tremble was a good one where he stayed in the pocket. He let Tommy Tremble get in between, you know, lines of defenders and, and fit it in there real nicely. I thought that was, you know, Ian Book snapping out of it, but like you kind of couldn't tell because he didn't play very long after that. And then he came out against New Mexico and looked exactly the same until Notre Dame started hitting on some of these bigger plays. And, you know, I, I thought by the end of the New Mexico game, I thought, you know, he looked really well or he looked, he was playing really well. Um, he had that play where, um, you know, I, I think his best throw of the game set up maybe his second best throw of the game where he kind of almost off the back foot threw that lob pass to, to tremble with a guy right in his face. And then the next play he threw the lob to, uh, the back shoulder fade to, to McKinley, which like I say, Mm -hmm. those were the two best throws of the game in, in my opinion, um, in terms of, you know, difficulty and comfort, I suppose. And, uh, I, I don't know. I thought by the end of New Mexico, he had settled in really nicely and I hope what that means is that he's shaking some of those demons, um, you know, exercise, you know, those ghosts, I guess. Um, 
and now that he's, he's going to be able to settle in against Georgia. Now, you know, when you get under the lights in Athens and then you got the Georgia Bulldogs lining across up across from you, then, you know, there's a very real possibility that, uh, you know, he might have some of the same issues that he did against Clemson. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not really, I don't think there's really much else to, to put on book. I mean, I think, I think he's going to be better, better than, you know, he was against, Louisville um, in the Georgia game, unless unless the, his playmakers and offensive line fail him. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, if Notre Dame wins this game, what had to go right for Notre Dame to win it? I, mean, I think we've covered that a little bit with the running game. I mean, yep. I think the running game needs to be at least, like I said, it doesn't have to be great, but it has to be like something that Georgia has to like worry about so you can set up the pass. Um, and then also, I mean, to a certain extent, and I think this has been said like on some other podcasts and everything like that, but I'm going to echo it here because I 100% agree. A lot of people are sort of on the pass rush for Notre Dame right now for not doing much in terms of like, Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem per se, but Louisville and New Mexico, like obviously they had a lot of time to prepare for Notre Dame and their offenses were built more on the RPOs, um, you know, trying to eliminate or trying to eliminate like five, seven step drops. Like they were trying to do quick passes. Jake from, even though Georgia is a heavy running attack, Jake Fromm isn't going to sit there and, you know, just quick throw the hell out of Notre Dame all day. Georgia wants him to be able to throw the ball when he's comfortable. And he's more of a, I'm not going to call him a statue quarterback, but he's a pro style quarterback. He's not, um, you know, you're not going to be running the RPO system. It's more of a pro style. So I think that almost favors Notre Dame in the sense of Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem being able to, come off the edge and maybe and wreak some havoc. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I think that's pretty much what I said. I think the, I think the, the pass rush is going to have to be strong and the running game is going to have to give you enough, um, you know, to keep the offense on the field and, and make the passing game go. I think that's, that's a really fair and good assessment because – you know, I think, and here's, and I'll kind of build on it a little bit. I, I think another thing that Notre Dame fans have said, um, and, and, there, and to a certain extent, like I'm not saying that this is crazy that people have said this, but I think another thing that people are worried about is that, you know, Notre Dame's given up a lot of yards per carry, and Georgia, you know, has gained a lot of yards per carry, and and to that extent, you know, I I, I think that if you actually take a, and I don't do obviously that deep of a dive into into Notre Dame's stats. But I think, you know, if someone were to do that, you would find that, you know, on plays where a team is going to run straight ahead or or a simple trap type of a play, like, I don't think Notre Dame has been that bad running defense-wise against those types of plays, which are really what Georgia's bread and butter are. You know what I mean? Like, they're just going to – they just want to maul you. They want to wear you down. They want to do that type of thing, whereas, you know, Louisville especially and, you know – New Mexico, I mean, basically New Mexico runs a almost like a wing T type of an offense, but out of the shotgun, right? Because I mean it's Bob Davy. So like they're they're all about misdirection. Louisville was running the read option RPO type stuff really well, and that obviously had Notre Dame on on their heels early. You know, that type of stuff isn't in Georgia's playbook, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, 
I'm not saying Jake Fromm isn't going to, you know, fake a handoff and run for six or seven yards, but you're not, Georgia's just not going to gash Notre Dame on that way the same way that, like, Juwan Pass for Louisville did, right? So, I, I don't know. I think that the matchup is actually going to be much better for, for Notre Dame. Now, I mean, still, could Georgia be getting four yards or a run every time they run it? Yeah. But I think, much like the last time Notre Dame played Georgia, I think it's going to be a game where, you know, I, even Notre Dame, you know, a couple of years back, was able to move the ball on Georgia a little bit, um, you know, between the 20s. Georgia's going to be able to do that to Notre Dame. It's going to be who scores touchdowns versus who scores field goals. Um, and, you know, if you think back to, uh, you know, a couple of years back, you know, Georgia scored a couple touchdowns and Notre Dame only scored one and they kicked a bunch of field goals. Now is the difference in the game. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, I would think that that's kind of going to be the recipe of this one. Um and this time we have Ian Book at quarterback and not Brandon Wimbush. So I think Notre Dame has that uh, has that going for him, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's almost a reverse situation. I, I think a couple of years ago um, with, you know, Jake Fromm having his first ever start, or maybe it was his second start, um, was, you know, as a true freshman. First. Yeah, yeah, I think it was his first. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was his first start as a true freshman on the road. Georgia's defense was considered elite. I mean, that was really where the game that was that. But now I think it's sort of reversed. I mean, their offense is to a certain extent a juggernaut. I mean, they're really good on the ground. Jake Fromm is a much better quarterback than he was as a true freshman. Um, and their defense isn't necessarily what it was. Um, they still have athletes all over the field. Don't get me wrong. But their defense isn't as intimidating as when they have like Roquan Smith running the middle, middle of the field and literally chasing down running backs that, you know, and that's why he's a stud in the NFL too. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, and, and now it's like Notre Dame that year. We didn't really know much about them. Did they have a really good offense? Did they have a really good defense? It turned out that their defense was really good at year's end. And their offense wasn't because Brandon Woodenbush couldn't move the ball consistently. And now we kind of have the opposite effect. I mean, this year their offense is supposed to be, you know, light years better than at least 2018 or 2017, I should say. Um, and their defense might have taken, obviously it's taken a little bit of hit at linebacker and, you know, stuff like that. But, um, but, you know, Notre Dame has a better offense than they did. So I, I expect them to score a few touchdowns. I mean, I, I would be really surprised if Notre Dame was held under 20 points unless, unless the game just felt that way. Like both teams, um, were like that. But I don't think Georgia is just going to go shut down Notre Dame like, like some people on the SPN and whatnot are, are saying. All right. So we've really kind of hit on everything that I wanted to hit on. Is there anything that, uh, I have, left out that you know you're sitting there thinking like man i really want to talk about that uh i mean no not really i think i was able to get most of my thoughts in um just by kind of rambling on a little bit as well yeah uh the bottom line i guess and i'll kind of say this as part of my closing is that like i just you know i one thing that i've been trying to that I think I've realized more in recent weeks is that, you know, people look at how Notre Dame played against teams like Louisville and New Mexico and say, well, 
this is this is bad, and we don't have a because this happened, we don't have a chance against Georgia. We were flat early, and and this and that, and everything else, and they and they try to kind of play like the transitive property type of a game. And the more I watch, and the more I try to like critically watch college football, like none of that transitive property stuff to me ever seems to be true. Like I don't know, like I personally don't care that we you know didn't beat Louisville by. 30 you know what i mean I, I i mean i personally don't really care that we didn't score a touchdown in the in the first quarter against new mexico because college football football in general but especially college football with kids that you know especially notre dame have to go to class there's my dig um, <laughs> um especially college football I, I just think that like it's such a week-to-week game that you can't necessarily you know say well they played really good here and really bad there and because of that they're just going to lose this game like i just don't i find that to be less and less true uh the more i i really think about football and the more i watch football i suppose um you know how many times do we see it like i mean you can use like maryland in syracuse and as a great example like maryland went and put up 63 on syracuse and then maryland goes and they can only muster like what was it 17 points or whatever it was against temple and then yeah. Clemson, who's a much better offense, much more talented than Maryland's, you know, uh, I mean, they kind of blew, blew it open in the second half a little bit. But, I mean, it was 17-6, to and I thought it was a close 17-6 to at halftime before Clemson took, you know, control of that game. So, I mean, you can't just play the transitive property, I guess. That's why you play the games. And it just sort of seems like I see a lot of people that just say, you know, I mean – because this happened, we're going to get the, the the brakes beat off of us against Georgia. And I just don't feel that to be true. So, you know, I, I don't know that I would if – and I'm not even going to ask this question. But if I was asked to, like, give a prediction, which, you know, I have been asked already. I've, I've done a couple guest shows already this week to give a prediction. You know, I think Notre Dame is going to win because I'm a Notre Dame guy. But, I mean uh, – you know, the real answer is like, well, this is this is going to be a real, real tough test. If certain things go Notre Dame's way, they absolutely can win, and that's just kind of where I'm going to leave it as far as my quote unquote prediction uh, of this game. I yeah. think I've, I've kind of touched on all of that thoroughly. Yeah, no, and you know, and honestly, I 100 percent agree with you. I mean, I, if certain way, if certain things go Notre Dame's way, and they do, and like they do what we have said during this podcast in terms of like you know running the football and so on and so forth. I think they could absolutely win and be in the game. Um, I, I I probably have Georgia winning the game right now, and it, but like something close to you know three between like three and six point. The the, the number that keeps coming to my head is like twenty seven twenty one something like that. Um, and I, and I don't think uh, I don't think Notre Dame should get knocked if that's if that's kind of the outcome. Um, I, I really don't. Yeah. I, uh, I I wholeheartedly agree. Well, sounds like we're both having a little bit of dog issues. Um, hopefully mine hasn't been too loud here, but he's been basically tearing apart a magazine this entire time, uh, which I've just allowed him to do because it's better than the alternative of barking. And I just heard yours in the background. So um, I don't know. These dogs of ours got to give us a little bit more um, – cooperation during these Notre Dame podcasts. I mean, mine's, like, I, like I told you, mine's named Rocket, for goodness sakes. Like, he's supposed, I mean, maybe he's just fired up. He just knows I'm talking Notre Dame football and he just can't handle himself. So I, I don't know what it is. Right. I don't know. Probably more the fact that he's five months old than the, the fact that he's uh, really fired up. But anyway. Um, well, Nathan, uh, excellent stuff, as always. Um, 
Oh, here's one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, just as kind of like an aside before I wrap this up. Um, how much Kyle Hamilton do you think we see against Georgia? Is he kind of like a difference maker defensive-wise? So can you say I couldn't hear you too? I'll bet. I'm sorry. That's all right. That again? How much Kyle Hamilton do we do we see against Georgia? Do you think he's – because to me, if I think of a guy that's you know going to be a difference maker, X-factor type of guy, he obviously comes to mind because of things he's done and the fact that Notre Dame's probably going to have to put – you know, an extra safety in the box. And, you know, maybe that means instead of playing like a, you know, a traditional Rover type thing, like you see more of that three safety type of a set. I don't know. What what do you think about Kyle Hamilton? I mean, I think he's going to play. I mean, I think he is shown, he is shown to be a guy that they can rely on even as a true freshman. Um, and that, you know, and unlike last year where they overused their linebackers, um, like Drew Tranquil and, you know, Tavon Coney, and they played almost every snap. I think they've shown this year that they don't want to do that with their two stud safeties. So I think Kyle Hamilton's going to be in on the nickel a ton. Um, if they play any dime, I think he'll be in on the dime a ton. And, you know, I mean, I think he'll, he'll relieve guys like Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman in certain spots because he's capable of doing so. Yeah, I think one thing that a lot of people have been excited about is like that three, that three safety type of set. And, you know, I'm anxious to see, like, are they going to do, if they're going to use that more. Here goes this dog again with this, this magazine. Holy Moses. Um, if they're going to do that more against Georgia or less, I don't know. But I think that, you know, it's been nice to see him because he's, you know, physically, you know, the type of guy that, you know, he was built for a game against Georgia. Let's put it that way. Uh, maybe it's because that's where he is from. I, I don't know. But anyway. All right. Well, like I said, um, excellent stuff. Thanks for joining me here this evening, Nathan. Um, listeners, if you've uh, stuck with us this whole time, we appreciate you. Uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe all across all the platforms where you can find the Under the Dome podcast. Um, it's been a lot of fun. There's obviously going to be more out of us. There's going to be more out of the Under the Dome podcast uh, this week and things, so be on the lookout for that crossover podcast with John from the Always Irish Show. Um, you know, Hopefully we've got at least a fun and exciting game on our hands on Saturday night. And with all that being said, until next time, go Irish. Go Irish.